don't think every kid that goes through a theater program is going to become an actor. In fact, most of them don't. But being able to share their story of the positive impact that happens as a result of that program, but humanizing it, taking Johnny with you to the state house so he can tell the story, just finding that ability to make these things relatable and humanizing it is absolutely critical to being effective. Now is the time. You're invited to join us, a movement of leaders who are willing to step into a new approach to leadership across the global landscape. This is as simple as humanity being just you and I, and stakeholders being the value you place on each decision to add or take away from humanity going forward. Hold a minute. Stay with us. We know people like you want to play at a different scale. And these conversations help create the opportunity for you to take this up a notch, or two, or a whole lot more. With a curiosity, let's dig deeper, behind the scenes to see the why, the what, the where, the who, and the when. From other smart humans who make smart decisions and innovate smart, sustainable solutions to narrow the gap from problem to solution. Learn in today's conversation how you can begin to do this. Come, join us. All right. Do we have Laurie in the house? I can't see her, so... um, Oh, we do. Go, girl. Oh, my gosh. You guys, I want to introduce to you an amazing woman. An amazing woman. And I just thank you, Laurie, because I know you're going through some pretty tough times right now. So I just want to be like so grateful that you have rocked up today and um and i just want to ask you personally are you good to to speak um yeah yeah, good perfect just checking in we're very much human before we are what we have to do you know what i mean so um i think it's important that we ask um and uh girl i love what you get to do i think it was very interesting you know i've used that story a few times of uh, what you're facing even with the mask thing. So I think that's uh, an interesting concept. Um, and uh, we have already had just some amazing conversations here. Um, I don't know. I don't think you got to catch what we were just talking about, but um, Earl yeah. brought an amazing, um, just a word. And then, um, you know, just deep diving afterwards around a lot of, you know, of course, uh, better ways in which we can can uh, have conversations to do with, um, you know, humanising it, not necessarily, uh, you know, talking about differences but distinctions at the table. Um, and I think, you know, uh, so powerful to start the day. And uh, I know we've had a lot of conversations around, um strong woman and having more strong woman at the decision table mm-hmm. and i think you know that is what you bring is a strength a strength and you give story to people that wouldn't have someone advocating that story for them so girl go ahead go for it great great well it's so great to see all of you and thank you for that lovely introduction Carrie marie and yes i am good thank you for asking You know, as she said, we're all human, right? So I have a family member, my mom, who is very, very ill in the hospital right now. So I I messaged her yesterday and said, bear with me because things are changing by the 
by the minute. So um, I'm very, very happy that I'm able to join you all today. And I wish I would have had more time to listen in on all of these conversations that you have been having. I did hear the last little bit with my friend Earl, who I also think the world of and his lovely wife, um, both, both incredible, wonderful people. And he and I too have had such great conversations around so many different issues and, and really talking about what it is we do and how we can take those approaches and strategies into our own professions to help each other. And I think that's really a lot of what I want to focus on today is sharing my story in terms of what I do professionally. So just a little bit of background. I am the founder and owner of a government affairs consulting firm, which is a fancy way of saying lobbyist because a lot of people think that a lobbyist is a bad, horrible, evil word. And we just take, give bunches of money to elected officials and get our way with everything. And I really wish it was that easy, um, but the truth of the matter is it's not. Just a little bit of background on myself. Um, I grew up in a, a steel worker town um, in Ohio. I'm in Ohio here in the US and I am one of six children. I am the daughter of a union auto worker and my mom was a stay-at-home mom. I was the first of my family to go to college. Uh, I am certainly the first to start and run a business. So um, uh, everything that I've learned has been purely trial and error and, and, and trying it till you figure it out. So um, I knew from a young age um, that I wanted to work in politics and specifically on the government affairs side. I actually watched a movie, if you, if you guys may have seen the movie, The American President, and I was fascinated um, with the concept of how outside organizations engage in government. That was, you know, when you, when you learn about government as a kid, they teach you about the judicial branch and the legislative branch and the executive branch, but they don't really talk about the private sector side. And that is such an important, important piece of the work that our government does because without having folks like myself and my colleagues who give voice to others who may not have a voice or a seat at the table, they would never be considered when policies are taken into consideration. So I knew very young that that was something that I wanted to do. I was always working towards that. Um, graduated from college, worked on a number of political campaigns. Um, that is really where you kind of cut your teeth and, and um, get to understand the people and the process. I then worked within our state house um, in Columbus, Ohio, as a staffer, just the one answer on the phone, the one, um, you know, running copies. I mean, really, truly worked from the ground up until I started my company about 13 years ago. And I do like to share this because I think it's important. And, and Carrie and Marie and I talk a lot about strong women and, and empowering women. You know, I didn't start my company because I necessarily thought that I wanted to start a company. I started it out of necessity. I was running the Ohio um, office for another lobbying firm that was based out of um, Pennsylvania. And I had my weekly call with my boss, at which point he told me they were closing the office and I was being laid off. I had zero warning. I had no idea that it was coming. 
And I just felt completely uh, powerless at that point, right? So I decided I could either sit there and, and be upset. I could try to find another job somewhere else, or I could take what I learned over the last several years and start a company and do it myself. And I knew I could do it. Um, I knew that um, I had learned everything that I have learned over the course of my career. And I just said, let's give it a shot. And I think had I not been in that situation, I would not have probably ever started my company. So at the time that I thought was, it was a horrible, horrible experience was actually the greatest blessing because um, I wouldn't have, I, I probably wouldn't have done it had I not been thrust in that, into that situation. But back to, back to what I do. So basically, uh, I run a small government affairs consulting firm. So I have been very intentional at um, not going to work for a large law firm, not working for another large lobbying firm, because I feel very strongly that I only want to work on issues of which that, that I'm passionate about and that I believe in. And, and I haven't always been in that that situation in the past. So I've kept it very small. I focus on medium to small size business and organizations and nonprofits that I care about. This gives me the ability to provide a voice and a seat at the table, as I said, for organizations and for people who otherwise would not have had a voice. So I tell my clients all the time, if you don't have a seat at the table, someone else is going to eat your lunch. So you gotta show up. And it may not be them showing up, but me or my colleagues showing up on, on their behalf. So, you know, that's why advocacy is so important. Advocacy is so important because your voice, your issue needs to be heard. Every single day, these elected officials are looking at public policy changes or changes to the budget that impact you from the largest Fortune 500 company down to the smallest nonprofit. Every single day, they are making really critical decisions that affect what you do and the people that you serve. So that really is what gets me up every day. I am so just um, thankful and blessed to be able to do what I do because I just think it's such a an honor to be able to represent these, these individuals. You know, I really, I really believe that there are four key things to um, being effective at advocacy. The, and I, I'm not gonna say they're in any order, it depends on the day, but one of the most critical pieces to me is data. Data and research. You can have the best idea in the world you can be so impassioned about it, but if you don't have solid data to back up what it is you want, you're not going to be effective. Now, I understand not everyone has a budget to go fund a big research project or get a big study about something, but if you can bring in solid data on a one-page piece of paper that says, this many people are impacted by this, this many people were laid off by that, you know, just having that concrete data is absolutely critical for you to be effective in what you are doing. A lot of people don't do it. I think that, you know, one of the most important things you can do when you're preparing to talk to legislators is come in with a plan, 
come in with your data, come in with exactly what you want, and don't come in ready to fight. I'm gonna repeat that. Don't come in ready to fight. <laughs> because you are going to work with people all the time who don't agree with you on your issue. But if you come in ready to fight with them, you are not going to get anywhere. That brings me to the next piece after data, to have the ability to be a good storyteller. Data is important, but your ability to humanize that data is absolutely critical to being effective in advocacy. You have to make it relatable to the legislator that you're talking to. And every single legislator has a different way that they connect and relate to you as well. So let me, let me give you an example. So I represent a performing arts um, theater group in a community in Ohio. They're, they're, they're a large group. All the, they host all the Broadway shows and whatnot. They also do a lot of education in performing arts and theater, partnering with inner city kids and inner city school districts. So when we're talking about protecting the funding for those, for those programs, I need to come in and tell them a story about little Johnny who is impoverished, who lives in downtown Dayton, who maybe doesn't have an engaged family, who otherwise would not have any exposure to performing or, or theater arts whatsoever if it wasn't through their school programs. And, and, and tell the story about how that program has helped Johnny since he's been participating in over the last five years and, and how it gave him the strength and the courage and the confidence to go after whatever it is he decides to do after he graduates. First of all, helps him graduate. Second of all, helps him have the courage and the um, confidence to do what it is he wants to do. I don't think every kid that goes through a theater program is going to become an actor. In fact, most of them don't. But being able to share their story of the positive impact that happens as a result of that program, but humanizing it, taking Johnny with you to the state house so he can tell the story, just finding that ability to make these things relatable and humanizing it is absolutely critical to being effective. You also need to bring it back to their district. At the end of the day, these people are elected. So every single time I meet with an elected official, I look up data on their specific district. Um, how does this issue impact them, their voters, right? Because at the end of the day, that's who they care about. The people are voting for them. So do your research, know who you're talking to, know how this is going to impact them. And weave in, Weave in things that you know that they can relate to. And this kind of ties into my next point on relationships is, you know, understanding who you're talking to and being able to connect this issue to what they care about. So I might care about an issue for one reason and Carrie Marie cares about the same issue for a completely different reason. So the way in which I speak about that issue is going to be very different between those two people. So that is why I invest so much time and so much effort into building relationships, which is my next piece. Building relationships so that I get to know not only who they are and why they care about this issue, but they get to know who I am. A slight disruption to the conversation. I have a question for you. Are you even a little curious to see how you can use your platform to change the conversation? 
to maybe design solution pathways where you have certainty and afford movement? Or truly, do you want to increase your economic and cultural impact? Awesome human, if you want to lead, to pioneer a new approach, to role model what is possible and to leave sustainable footprints for the generations to come, then I would love for you to reach out to me and the team to see if we're the right fit to make this a reality for you. And if we're not, no hard feelings, as I know many awesome humans who may be the right one. Okay. I've included three ways in the show notes where you can begin a pathway with us on a journey to your next level. One, a strategy analysis. Two, the next growth incubator cycle. Three, a potential investment partnership. As founder and CEO of Decision Velocity Global, I'm all about building a sustainable, scalable growth ecosystem where humanity, like you, are stakeholders to design cutting-edge solution pathways and to narrow the gap from problem to solution. I want you to come on this journey with me and others and not to be left behind. There is a seat at the table for you. Okay, Let's get back to the conversation. I am a very transparent, real, no fluff, which is why Carrie Marie and I love each other, no fluff kind of gal. And I think that I relate and connect with people because of that, which builds trust. Trust, which is the, the absolute most important thing when you are dealing with elected officials and and um, these high, high level decision makers, I need to know that they trust me. They need to know that the data and the information and the policy initiatives I'm bringing them, that I'm being very transparent with that. And the only way we get there is by having those relationships and knowing and understanding and having that trust level with, with one another. I'll give you another example. Um, here in the state of Ohio, we have a huge problem with an uh, opioid epidemic. We, um, it's been a, a massive issue over the last couple of years. And, um, you know, had I not understood that there was a particular legislator that I was working with on an issue around the opioid ep- epidemic, epidemic, excuse me, had I not known this about him, I, I probably could have stepped in it a couple of times. So this particular legislator is very passionate about working on these issues. And I found out through digging deep with him that the reason he's so passionate about it is because he has a brother who's a drug addict. And that's not something most people wear on their sleeves, certainly not um, elected officials. But because I got to know him and I got to understand him, that was a piece of information that I knew about him that I could always keep in the back of my mind when we were having conversations. Because to him, it's personal. It's not just something that's good, something that's a good thing to work on for the betterment of, uh, of Ohioans, but it's personal. It's personal. He's seen it. It's impacted his family in a really real way on a day-to-day basis. So that's just an example of why these relationships are so so absolutely critical. You know, you're asking really big things of people. 
when when I am proposing a policy initiative, sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm asking for a really, really big thing. So if I don't have that trust level with someone, why would they listen to me? Why would they trust me? Why would they, why would they want to, to do something that's going to be a really big lift if I didn't have that, that trust in those relationships with him? You know, in Ohio, we also have um, what are called term limits. So and the legislators are only there for a certain amount of time. Um, and then they have to leave. And there are all sorts of varying opinions about the good and the bad of that situation. Um, me living that day to day, it makes it very difficult because it used to be that you would have someone who's a, a policy expert on a certain issue and they've been there for 20 years and, and, and they understand it. Well, now we've get people cycling through every couple of years. So you're starting from scratch every time on educating people about these issues. I remind my clients constantly, you know, we have about 15 minutes with someone, 15 minutes. And they are hearing from everyone from the Dog Catchers Association to the Department of Medicaid to, you know, the Auditors Association. And they're having to switch gears every 15 minutes. So that's why it's absolutely critical that we have the ability to get right to the point, be very clear about what we want, and don't beat around the bush. We don't beat around the bush because they can't be experts in everything. They shouldn't be experts in everything. And especially in this age of term limits, um, you know, it's, it's just, it's just a constant, it's a constant battle. Uh, I'll give you another example of, of going back to the storytelling piece. So I've, I've done a lot of work in the area of ex-offender reentry. So individuals who are formerly incarcerated, um, who are now out in their communities um, I've done everything from working on grants for um, employment and education programs to helping with financial literacy to you, you, you name it, I've probably worked on it. Um, this is an issue that generally is pretty bipartisanly supported, but for very different reasons. So I don't want to overgeneralize, but I'm going to overgeneralize a little bit here. Oftentimes when you're talking about ex-offenders and getting them back into the community, the political parties have very different reasons why they support this. Like I said, I'm going to overgeneralize here. When I am talking to, say, someone who's more right-leaning or, or more Republican, if you will, I'm going, to I'm going to talk about the fact that it costs almost $27,000 a year to incarcerate one person in the state of Ohio. I'm going to talk about the fact that we need to invest in these individuals so when they come home, they're going to keep our community safe, that they are going to be, they're going to get a job and they're going to contribute back to the state of Ohio, that they're going to become better parents, that they're going to become good citizens in the community. Um, but oftentimes circling back to the finance side of things, right? If I'm talking to someone who's more left-leaning or, or more Democrat, if you will, I'm going to talk about justice. I'm going to talk about, you know, second chances for people. I'm going to talk about, uh, I'm talking about the same issue. I'm just talking about it in a different way um, because I know that they're going to support it for different reasons. So I, I hate overgeneralizing and, and you have to be able to pivot depending on who you're talking to and, and th in the middle of a conversation, frankly. Um, and Kira Marie and I talk about this a lot being able to make a decision quickly, right? She, that's what she's known for. 
Well, you need to be able to do that in the middle of a conversation with legislators all the time because you may go in thinking they think one way or your message is going to work and it doesn't. So you better be able to pivot and, and um, be able to get your message across in a different way. So data, storytelling, relationships, strategy. Strategy is, is the, the fourth piece that, um, you know, I mentioned earlier having a game plan before you go in, before you, before you even have your first conversation with a legislator, you better have thought about how it is you're going to think you're going to get this done. Who is, who is going to carry this legislation for you? Who supports it? Who doesn't support it? Who's going to oppose you um, before you even start? Who has a bad relationship with the Speaker of the House so you don't want them to be the one who is rocking the boat on something? Or, you know, you have to be really careful about mapping out your strategy so that you are very uh, keenly aware of everyone and everything surrounding you. But the most important thing about your strategy is you have to be fluid about it. It's going to change. It's going to change a couple times a day, depending on um, how people are responding to what you're doing. So you can have the best laid plans and the best strategy in the world, but um, it doesn't mean that it's always going to work. And you have to have the ability to pivot, to be fluid, to change. And, you know, frankly, it depends on what's happening in the world around you. Everything that I was working on for my clients until the beginning to the middle of March, it's completely off the table now. It's completely off the table now. COVID-19 and coronavirus hit, and I wiped my whiteboards clean because we cannot talk about the same things the same way that we have for the past several years. We have the same issues oftentimes, but we're re-messaging everything. Everything had to change. And so my, my point there is that you can, you can have the best strategy, you can be the most thoughtful about it, but you, sometimes things are completely out of your control and things like coronavirus happen, um, and you just can't be prepared for it. So you have to have that ability to change, to, to wipe those whiteboards clean, to, to restart your thinking on how, how you are going to do your work. I mean, frankly, you know, how do I provide value to my clients at that time? How do I find, provide value to my clients who are on the verge of shutting down? Um, how, do I, how do I help them tap into the resources that they need to keep their doors open. No longer are we pushing public policy initiatives. We're working on staying open, right? So how, how do we communicate that message of how this is impacting them to the governor's office, to, to our congressmen, to folks in the White House? How do we, how do, we do that? Um, so, you know, having that ability to, to pivot is, is absolutely, absolutely critical. I really believe all those pieces are, are truly important to, to be effective. Um, data, storytelling, relationships, and strategy. You have to have it all. And like I said, it, it, it's going to change. It's going to morph over, over the course of your work, but you have to, you have to have it all. I believe really strongly in not taking no for an answer. In my work, I believe there's always a way to get something done. 
Um, one of my favorite quotes is from my favorite president, Ronald Reagan, who said, it can be done. It can be done. So just because someone says, oh, no, we can't do that, or, oh, no, we don't do that that way, um, that's, that's just not true. And uh, I am absolutely passionate about um, looking under every stone and having every conversation with every person I can because it can be done. Just because it hasn't been done doesn't, doesn't mean that it can't. And I really think that, um, you know, I picked up on, on earlier conversation earlier, and I, I believe really strongly in this. We have to understand that there's so much that we don't know. There is so much that we don't know. And I try to remind myself of that every time I'm having a conversation with a legislator or every time I run into a roadblock on something, there's something affecting what that person is thinking that I don't know about. And I can get really frustrated and I can, and I can try to figure it out, but oftentimes it's just something that you don't know. Maybe someone came down on them because they voted a certain way and, and they're being punished for something, or maybe they um, have something ongoing going on at home, or maybe maybe you know one of their biggest supporters um, has switched and in, in, in is supporting an opponent now. I mean, there's just so much that you don't know that you can't get caught up in your head um, and let that frustration um, impede you from what you're doing and, and, and the work that you're doing and. You know, Carrie Marie and I talk a lot about a lot of different things, but I think that um, the work that I do and um, the ways in which I approach advocacy are things that can be um, applied and work across the, across the world. Um, and that's something she and I talk um, a lot about. So, you know, again, the data, the relationships, the strategy, um, you know, having, having all the pieces to the puzzle, the storytelling, that's important in all of our work, right? In all of our work. Um, and I think it, it definitely is, uh, crosses uh, into many different um, uh, occupations, certainly, and, and many different, um, and many different facets of our lives, professionally and personally. So, that's what I've got here, Marie. Um, I was hoping we could have an opportunity to have some good conversation because that's really yeah, more my- girl, it's so good. Oof. Amazing droplets of wisdom for you from today's episode. Make sure you subscribe, leave awesome ratings and reviews. Our hope is that this product creates a new awareness, activates ownership to what is next, and a curiosity for the need to be a part of the change to make footsteps of sustainability from today onwards. If you want to further your journey with us, join us at our next Global Human Intelligence Forum or apply to our next Leaders Movement Parlor. Both links are in the show notes. We appreciate you. Help us to build a tribe and make humanity as stakeholders. To achieve this together, recommend this podcast to leaders, innovators, pioneers, future thinkers, and movement changers. Big love. See you on the next Global Human Intelligence Podcast.